This is the 93rd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt, with me is my dear co-host Christopher Wikström, with our dear friend and co-host Robin Svensson, still lost to the woods somewhere which is not Stockholm. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello everybody, I hope you're doing well, and I also hope Robin is doing some proper crop rotating out in the woods. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Decked app. In this episode, we will not talk about Paper Legacy, as neither me nor Christopher have played any magic since our last recording. Instead, we will talk about art. Both about art that represents 18 cards, and also a gathering of the basic land connoisseur panel, which we haven't done since episode 82, so welcome back dear fans of this segment. You can find all of our basic land choices in the designated channel in our Discord if you want to have a look at the backlog. To start us off, we had a debate in the designated Discord art channel about Orcish Bowmasters recently. Thing is, the normal art for the card it sort of leaves some things to sort of, you know... It's a bit lackluster. It's lackluster. It seems a bit lazy. You always get the feel that this card was like AI generated and not in the best way. Also, these orcs are carrying very sophisticated bows. I, as a fantasy nerd, I'm all for sort of changing the narrative about orcs from being brutish and dark into being more sophisticated. But the orcs in the Lord of the Rings universe are very tropey orcs indeed perhaps the first depiction of these types of orcs. So these super fine, slender, very high elven bows doesn't really fit. That's a hard agree. One thing that I want to mention about about the bows and stuff like that. Growing up reading the books, I didn't have like the best imagination. But then the movies came out and they gave at least some sort of idea what sort of, like the shape of their equipment. When I think about the bowmaster, I'm thinking about, you know, those ugly orcs with their ugly bows or the menacing Urukai leader Lurts, who just looks like he's shooting spears with that thing. D- these look sort of elvish, <laughs> almost like they're very like high modern, like for archery competition <laughs> style. But you know how the orcs first came to be? Originally, yeah, they were elves. That's, uh... However, there is a special art for Orcish Bowmasters, which features a much grittier, darker, violent art that sort of speaks to what you were sort of discussing about the movies. Also, that art pictures half a bow in the background. The thing is that this art is part of a much larger extended art piece that depicts the Battle of Pelennor Fields, created by Tyler Jacobson. And this art is the source for no fewer than 18 cards one of which by the way is the wrong card (laughs) so the thing is the art uh, that in the picture depicts Theoden ended up on Eomer's full art (laughs) and there was this big debacle about sort of the mix-up and how everything was approved and yeah whatever but it's it's a art is yeah art is hard hard art but it's it's a mighty project and a fantastic piece simply so Christopher what do you make of this when I first saw this I was a bit blown away, I must say, because we have seen some basics, you know, panorama basics, where if you put them together, they create this bigger picture. And for most of the full art extended cards that I've seen from this, they look good in a vacuum. But then, you know, when I first saw the whole thing, I think that was the first time I also saw all of these cards. I just thought that the concept was really cool. Like they're they're trying to tell a big story 
from an already beloved story. And I think that doing that and incorporating all of the cards that they have created for the set is uh, really creative. And it also challenges the artists working with this. But this is, is this whole thing one artist? Yes, Tyler Jacobson. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, kudos. But I think there's a lot of this in this picture that screams book Lord of the Rings that I really enjoy and i think overall this the colors the like how you can just zoom in at any part and it individually looks great and for me it's always a flavor win when aragon's uh, sword the flame of the west and duril is actually on fire i think that's very cool i love that too one thing i i really love about this and that i hope inspires wizards in their art directing or even the general art project that they that they are embarked on you know whether they want to or not is that this full art image which is it's almost square in, in how in the version that i found i guess to sort of fit the smaller cards into the larger art it harkens back to me to like religious iconography where you tell a long story in one picture like the ancient vases and hieroglyphs and better known to me from where i grew up protestant church paintings because the perspectives on this is this art is not sort of consequential like you have a couple of rohan riders fighting some mumlak and then just a couple of sort of meters away you have aragorn which is much bigger but i i don't sort of that's not a problem in this art on the contrary it brings the story together because you have these different various elements that as you've said are lovely in and of themselves in each individual part but as a sort of the whole composition really tells this story and you can you can also tell the story in different orders. So you can start off by, by Minas Tirith in, in the far left background and the attack. Or you can you can start the story with Aragorn and, and the Flaming Sword. It's just beautiful. And I also saw that this art was made into a playmat for a recent Commander con. Ooh. That alone would have wanted me to go and play Commander. <laughs> yeah, it, like, like you mentioned, the composition now when you mention it it does feel very biblical in a sense also because you have Minas Tirith which is very bright and you have these green fields and then you have Mount Doom and Mordor to the right and it's cloudy it's red and fire comes wherever Mordor looks then the battlefield of itself because this is still a, a magic the gathering product the battlefield, which is a large part of Magic the Gathering, is quite chaotic. But there are key players. I think that's also a very nice touch to just not make this into, you know, let's make a sick Lord of the Ring art. No, this is this sort of also feels together with the whole idea of how Magic the Gathering functions and how like the marriage between Magic the Gathering and Lord of the Rings would work thematically and i think this is a very good example of that this is also the third episode in a row that we come back to this set and we are a podcast in which we usually don't really discuss sort of the latest release this set but i agree i really think that this magnificent piece sort of ties together why i think this set works so well for magic why this is the the best expanded universe by far and the thing is that i couldn't say sort of which one thing it is that makes it great i'm just looking at this 
art and i'm like yes this is this is why it, it's a feeling so for all of the listeners this is of course excellent radio material i'm sure you've googled this picture by now if not you can find it in our discord yeah and uh, you know one of the things that makes this art work really well for me looking at it is it does feel tabletop or board game-esque this could be like the banner for the whole set but instead this is like shared art for a lot of the cards that they thought was going to be relevant for drafting or playing constructed i really think that this is a home run going back to you know discussing the same set three episodes in a row it is for me at least it's it's sort of a testament to how well designed it is and not only like the cards but the flavor and the mechanics and and stuff like that unlike a lot of you know modern horizons products where the idea was to maybe change the format and introduce new strong players and now i'm not saying that hasn't happened here (laughs) but there's so much more from this set for such a large audience and i think this is uh, really their most successful universes beyond if that's the term for it set i i think this is a slam dunk and this art is just fantastic every time i zoom in and look at a new a new area like a new part of the picture i notice something new in the in the middle there's this troll who's getting shot a lot you see arrows everywhere and behind the troll in the picture like just above it you see this what looks like some sort of necromancer i have no clue who that is but i love it and there's standing besides orcs so obviously it's it's a baddie and you can see just by the pose it has some real warlock energy coming from it you notice so many new things i just think that's what makes this whole thing work really well like you find new things and eventually whether you play legacy or commander you might run into one of these cards and you'll be like oh i remember this because you focused a lot on the picture and you know you'll notice even more details when you play against a card a lot like how orcish bowmasters is half a bow and stuff like that so the card you are referring to is gothmog morgul lieutenant for those who don't know it's three and a black for a legendary creature human soldier three three when gothmog morgul lieutenant enters the battlefield a mass orcs one creature token you control have death touch dude he has a whip they're running as if the whips of the masters were behind them yeah i'm, I'm just thinking uh, a free free with a whip i don't want to go up against that <laughs> that's that's one hard whipper man <laughs> like <laughs> hits harder than falia does with a sword <laughs> with a whip no but it's like also i also love how they stay true to the books in how this picture is made like for example in the far right corner you have prince imrahil which is a person that if you saw the movies you have no idea who that is but this is a legendary creature from this picture and you have mary esquire rohan sort of doing what he's doing here but you don't have pippin because pippin wasn't on this battlefield yeah he was uh, maybe maybe if we do the csi enhance that picture and look at ministerium maybe we'll see see him but those are some pretty tall walls as well which is working against our hobbits you know <laughs> visuals but yeah it's really cool like where's where is mary <laughs> 
He's so small. Bottom right. Oh, there he is. Red and a white for a halfling knight. Haste, 2-2. Two, two. Mary Escort Rowan has first strike as long as it's equipped. Whenever you attack with Mary and another legendary creature, draw a card. Huh. I know, right? Yeah, that's super cool. I love that mechanic. When you attack with this and another legendary creature, you draw a card. I think it's cool. Gala, gotta slay some Witch King. While on the topic of Mordor, why not revisit our beloved basic land Colossal panel to talk about Mono Black Helm? Well, okay, let's do just that. Incidentally, the deck has been updated with the aforementioned Orcish Bowmasters as well as the One Ring. More importantly, it plays Swamp. Christopher, what art for basic land goes in this brutally black deck? This is one of those decks where I say that it's a monocolored deck you have a lot of leeway because this deck, sure, it it is very aggro, it's very brutal, but the state of the game and how fast it is really varies on the hands that you are given. For me, this is a very vicious, it's, it's, you never know how fast it's going to be. You never know if the thing you have to look out for is an opposition agent or them just jamming four drop after four drop until you die. So for me, I picked a swamp that is kind of, it's it's sort of hard to see because it's a bit misty. This is from Invasion, version 340 by Rob Alexander. It's a very void of, you know, happy colors swamp. It's very misty and you know, there's a lot of angles. There's a lot of places where something could happen. And although, like, the cards in Mono Black Helm does not really vibe with this card in its own, I do believe that this swamp, for me at least, tells the story of how a hundred games are going to go. You're gonna have to look behind each tree you're gonna have to look deep into the mist to figure out what is going to try and kill you and this is one of these ambush swamps that i think really really for me at least sets the stage for what mono black helm is you never know what to expect and sometimes you make it out of the swamp and sometimes you get opposition agent when you fetch turn one so this is my pick victor what do you think yeah, I think this is a very mono black swamp. This is a swamp that goes into a deck that really plays black spells, dark ritual. It, it really has that vibe. It, it it fits instantly. It is a very dark swamp. <laughs> I want to play sort of mono black commander just to sort of put a bunch of these swamps in it. Probably not so good, but hey. I mean, you never know. Maybe you can build mono black helm in... Uh... <laughs> in commander some somewhere on the internet there is yeah no but i think um, the, the mists as well the more you look at them the more sinister they become because they hide these super thorny roots that are in this swamp so i guess it's like is it a dried out swamp or are these roots that stick up of of sort of a bluish water below the mist you don't really know and that's the thing here like this deck attacks from so many angles 
even though it sort of can be perceived as being a bit linear. Like it's a mono black helm deck, it's gonna mess up your graveyard. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's also a Karn deck, you know? And you can get Karned really hard by this deck really fast. That's very true. One last thing I wanna mention that I think might be an afterthought now when I just zoomed in a bit on this on this swamp. It's really grainy. The art it's not like these new modern arts that are really digitally rendered and, you know, made really clean. And me being a big uh, horror movie fan, this reminds me of one of this year, I think this year's biggest horror movie phenomenons that happened, which is a movie called Skinamarink. It's an analog horror. A person got $15,000 to make a movie and the person made a really grainy analog movie where it makes your eyes seek a lot in the darkness and in the you know when the when when information is lost it sort of blends together but it can create shapes so your your head is always overworking when it's trying to make sense of the situation and that's kind of like what the mist and all of these root shapes are doing for me so i really i think this is a great great one i really like that it's grainy and not super refined like modern swamps that does sound like a very mono black film it is it's haunting i could recommend it it will be on a lot of streaming services maybe someday so victor are you going to tell me about because you are the black mage out of us what where did you go well i went to the most void swamp i could find because of lay line of the void being such a centerpiece of this deck and this took me beyond the atmospheres. <laughs> My choice is the Infinity Full Art Swamp number 242, which is also a great synth reference for those who picked that up. So this is the swamp by Adam Paquette, Full Art Swamp. Adam Paquette, again, hello, sir. Probably most featured land artist by far. For sure. Maybe Rob. No, Adam. Um, Adam, Adam. Adam. Rob Good Second. So this is in Infinity, the Full Arts lands were basically planets or... Is this a moon? You don't really know. I think it's a planet because there is a structure in front of it that seems to be a small moon. But it's essentially a super dead planet. I'm thinking this is like, if a black hole was a planet, this would be it. And it's like, it's not only that it's it's sort of deserted, there hasn't even been inhabited. This is this is a more sinister and dark planet than that. This is This is the darkest planet I have seen in popular culture. And it has sort of, you know, some planets in our solar system have rings around them. This planet has enormous dark clouds around it somehow. It's it's quite suggestive. You, don't, you can't really tell the distances. It is a nebula in the, in, the, in the distance. It's this around the planet, but I don't care. It's just, it's a wonderfully, wonderfully dark place. If this was on the battlefield while you're getting helmed or Dothy Voidwalkered or whatever, I can see it really working. I'm thinking like, should I get a couple of copies of these to play in Reanimator? Because man, this is just so dark. Man. Yeah. I actually think this is a slam dunk pick for a lot of reasons. And I'm not sure if I'd seen this before you put it in in our show notes. But first of all, like you mentioned, this planet or whatever this is, it's probably a planet. It looks like the sickness of space. Yeah. It looks like it's spreading and it looks like 
it's infecting everything it touches, which is every haymaker in that deck. (laughs) (laughs) But the biggest flavor win is that there's some sort of celestial light coming out from the planet, which is the exact same color as all of the ley line of the void arts, which is just crazy flavorful. That white purple celestial Mm. Yeah, like if you look at the original from Guild Pact, there's a lot of white, purpley lights going up. And then there's like this beacon just shooting up in the air. And at the art, like if you look at the art, this Adam Paquette art, there's this sort of, it looks like some sort of beacon just flying from the planet out into the void of space. And uh, I think for a ley line of the void deck, this is just uh, magical. I think I think this might be one of your biggest slam dunks so far. Goes really, really well in the deck. I'm really happy about this. There is not another sort of version uh, because for, for Infinity, a couple of there was also a basic land cycle of what I call I think galaxy foils. So sort of super special type of, uh, and I don't know what the foiling looks like. The art itself is uh, for that one is is pretty black but i don't know if that's just sort of the internet rendering the art and that the galaxy foiling process whatever that is adds something very different to that but it's something that i am now interested in looking up after finding this extremely nice swamp yeah for sure after this i'm going to look at all of the uh, infinity planet basics because this is probably the first one i see and it's really special so I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go in. And that, my friends, is all we have for this episode. Keep the inspirational art talk flowing in our Discord server. You can find the link in the episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLM Legacy. We are present personally as well on Twitter. Christopher, where can our listeners get their fill of darkness from you? You can find me at Monolith MTG. And I am at Disco Drogo. That is the end of the 93rd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernhards. Special thanks, as always, to you for listening. And thank you, everyone, in the Discord for your suggestions and discussions. It keeps our inspiration flowing. The great Frenes has written our music. You can find more of their excellent work on Spotify. And until our next pack, go back to the abyss.